You're listening to a sermon from Plus Life, a church that exists to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will be stirred in your heart and renewed in your mind as you hear the preaching of God's word today. Why don't you go ahead and tell someone beside you, to your left or to your right or in the front, whatever works. The message or the title of my sermon this morning, Our Message, Our Message. This morning, we are going to be starting a three-part vision casting series. We do this uh, every so often in the year just to remind ourselves of why our church exists, why we gather every weekend as a congregation, as a, a local body of Christ. And that is to remind us that we exist to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And of course, our mission statement that we always declare every, uh, every weekend is that we do this, we, we seek to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ through uh, see, reaching lives with the gospel of Christ, by cultivating lives that revolve around him, and by uh, reflecting the love of Christ within our communities and those around us. Now, whenever we do these vision casting series, we often have some sort of a theme, some sort of, uh, sort of a, a guideline of how or, or lens in which we're looking at our mission statement, our vision statement to refresh our minds. And, and this time around, our, our lens in which we'll be studying our vision and mission as a church is ambassadors. Ambassadors. Our passage that we just read declares that we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Now, what does this mean exactly? We hear this oftentimes in churches, and we probably heard this before, but what does this mean exactly? Well, in ancient times, ambassadors were those who were chosen to represent a kingdom, and not just a kingdom, but specifically a king. Ambassadors would go into foreign nations in particular to be the representative of their sovereign. And in order to do this, they had to be very particular in, in how they approached and how they conducted themselves in their, this, their, their, the foreign countries. First and foremost, they had to have proper manners. Right? They couldn't do anything or, or behave in a way that would dishonor or misrepresent their king or their nation. And in addition to that, they also often came with some sort of mission. Maybe it was to, to establish a trade or, or maybe to, to bring aid or relief to another nation from their kingdom. Or, and, and oftentimes this was the case, they would often bring a message, a message, a message directly from the king. A message of maybe surrender, or a message of, of, of peace from their sovereign. Now, in the same way, we too here in this world are called to be the representatives of our king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. And in the same way, we too are called to represent him through our manners, our mission, and our message. And, and, and funny enough, this matches or aligns up with our mission statement of reach, revolve, and reflect. We are to reach, that's our message, we are to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our message from the king. We are to cultivate lives revolve around uh, Christ, and the king, our, our, our sovereign king, and, and that's regarding our manners, right? The, the way that we conduct ourselves, the manner of life in which we, we uh, go about it in this world. And of course, we are to reflect the love of Christ. That is our mission as ambassadors of Christ. Now, for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at each of these qualities, each of these mission points as a church, and, and how we can practically live that out, how we can 
exemplify what it really truly means to be an ambassador of Christ, to live out our, our message, our manners, and our, our mission. And for this week, as you could probably tell from our, our sermon title, we'll be talking about our message, the message that we bring to the world. And of course, we've already answered that. It is the gospel. That is what makes us a church. Again, we exist to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we diverge from that, if we lose track from that, guess what? We, we stop being what we're called to be, the church of Jesus Christ. Believe it or not, what separates us from all these other charitable organizations out there in our country is not, is not how we dress, it's not how we look, it's, it's not our, our, our fellowship or our social events, it's, it's not our, our outreach initiatives, right? Like, mosque and Sikh temples do that as well. It's not even, to be honest, it's not even our prayer or our Bible studies or even the songs that we sing as mentioned. Because again, our sort of our counterparts, the Catholic Church or some other sort of uh, close to Christian churches do the same thing. They have prayers, they have Bible studies as well. No, what separates us, what distinguishes us from the rest of the world and all these other religions and all these charitable organizations is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is what sets us apart. Now we know what the gospel is and, and we know that we ought to share the gospel. We've talked about that in the past with, right? And it, it's again, it's in our mission statement to reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the great commission. We've been commanded to go and share the gospel. But I think oftentimes we have trouble doing so, right? No one's nodding their heads. Everyone's like, oh no, we Everyone's fine sharing the gospel, no issues here, fantastic, right? But I'm sure, right? I'm sure we have issues with sharing the gospel from time to time, maybe in terms of what to say, what to include whenever we give a gospel presentation or whenever we share to our friends or family. Well, so my desire in this short amount of time, and I'm going to try to keep it short this weekend, uh, is to share with you or rather give to you exactly what our message should contain whenever we go and share the gospel. What our, what our message should communicate to the world when it comes to sharing or reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my hope for us this morning is to clarify this so that we wouldn't have that hesitation. At least we wouldn't have that, that fear of not knowing what to say or not knowing or missing something uh, that we need to say when we go and share the gospel. So we're going to unpack our text as we always do. I'm going to skip around a, a bit in our passage, but that's because we'll come back to us, come back to this passage in the following weeks. So the stuff that we don't pick up on, we'll pick up on in the next couple of weeks. But before we get get into that, I hope that we get some great insight in regards to what our message in sharing the gospel ought to be, so, and especially as ambassadors of Christ. So without further ado, let's jump into our passage. Yes, everyone say, jump for me. Amen. So first and foremost, what is, what is our message to contain, contain as ambassadors of Christ? Well, our message must be a message of repentance, a message of repentance, it says right from the top of our passage in verse 11, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. In the previous verse right before it, if you have your Bibles, look at it with me. In, in verse 10 of our passage, Paul says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. 
Paul brings up right before our passage the final judgment. This is the final judgment, the final separation where God separates the goat from the sheep, the wheat from the tares, where according to the gospel of Matthew, those who are found with the righteousness of Christ will be brought into paradise and those he never knew will be thrown into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. It will be a joyous celebration, a joyous time for believers, but a horrific one. A terrifying one for unbelievers. So now, having brought that up, having brought that final judgment to mind, Paul now then says in verse 11, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Therefore, knowing the judgment to come, knowing the suffering that unbelievers will experience in hell for all eternity, we persuade others. Now the question is, persuade them to what? To repent. To repentance. Our message is repentance, to turn from sin. When Paul says that we, we know the fear of the Lord, he, he, he means that we know the wrath of God towards sin and sinful people. And the only appropriate response to that is to call people to repent, to turn from sin. Listen, there, are, there are plenty of churches out there who, who, who only preach God's love, God, you know, God's, God's blessing and prosperity and not a word of sin or hell or repentance. And they really try to be a very seeker sensitive or be politically correct in, in how they approach sharing the gospel. But listen, if a car is speeding down a road that is only going to end up in destruction, your message is not, well, we have a cool hip church, Right? Oh, you're, you're driving really well. Or, hey, listen, you know, uh, your, your message isn't, you know, you got this. You, you can get yourself out of this. It's not. It's stop, turn around. You're headed into destruction. You're headed into an accident. Repentance is our message as ambassadors of Christ. In fact, that was the message of Christ from the beginning. We read in the Gospel of Luke how, how Christ says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In the Gospel of Matthew, he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. At the very beginning of his ministry, in the Gospel of Mark, he says, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. Believe it or not, that message has not changed. That message of repentance has not changed. And if our only message to the world is that God loves them, or God wants to bless them, God just wants to give them all the good things in life, we preach a false gospel. We preach a false gospel. There cannot be a good news without a bad news. And the bad news is that we are all born sinners. And unless we repent and, and turn to the mercies of God, we are on a collision course for the wrath of God, towards the wrath of God, which is called hell. A place where the Bible says the worm never dies and the fire never ceases. And you know who said that? Jesus himself. Of all the people who talks about hell in the New Testament, Jesus talked about hell the most. So why would his people stop talking about it? His ambassadors cannot leave out such a crucial part of his message. But, but you know, Pastor Osteen says that people already knows that they're sinners, and that's why we shouldn't talk about hell. Well, for one thing, people really do not know that they're sinners in this world. They think the guy on the news who stabbed the people in Saskatchewan, he's a sinner. People do not know that they're sinners. 
People think that, you know, you know I, I lie, I, you know, I, I say maybe a white lie, I, I, maybe I do this, but I, I'm not a bad person. You know, I'm okay, I'm a good person, I try to do what I can. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we are all sinners, that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And if we do not get right, if we do not repent, then our destination is hell for all eternity. But, but I get it. You know, we, we, sometimes we fear that we will be rejected or shunned if we bring up people's sin or call them to repent or talk about hell, that they'll reject us. But listen, it's better that they reject us knowing that we have called them to repentance than them accepting us while they continue down a road of destruction. Pastor, we need to be loving, right? We need to show people that we're loving them. That's not loving, that's enabling. To withhold the truth of people's sin and the wrath of God towards, towards their sin is not loving whatsoever. It's enabling them to continue down the road towards God's wrath. It's calling people to, we must call people to repent. That is the most loving thing that you can do. The opposite of that says something else. I love this illustration. I always, I, it always uh, comes to mind whenever I think about evangelism. If you know the, the, the famous magician duo, Penn and Teller, right? There's a big tall guy and a short guy who doesn't talk much. And uh, Well, this, the, the Penn Gillette, the taller guy, he's, he's, a, he's a staunch atheist. He, he's, a very, he's very much an unbeliever. But um, in one of his interviews, and you can find it on YouTube, he, he calls uh, to mind an experience of having someone... Sh- share the gospel to him after one of their shows. Someone approached him with a Bible and, 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 and wrote a little gospel message in the Bible and gave it to him. And, and, and what he says in this, in this interview regarding this story, he says, and, and, and I quote, he says, he says, if you believe in heaven and hell and that people have the potential of going to hell, how much do you need to hate someone to not share the gospel? How much do you need to hate somebody to believe that eternal life is possible and not tell them about it? This guy, he's, Penn says, this guy cared enough about me to evangelize. And that's coming from an atheist. That's coming from someone who, who doesn't believe in God but respects the fact that someone told him and warned him about hell. As ambassadors, our message from the king to this fallen world is to repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Now, so that's our, our part of our message, uh, and it, that's part of our message to repent, call people to repentance. Now, this isn't our only message to the world. In verse, verse 16 of our passage, look, look at there with me. Verse 16, it says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What is our message as ambassadors of God? The second component to that is it must be a message of regeneration. A message of regeneration. The message that God can and will save lives, that he is mighty to save even the worst, even the far off most wretched sinner in the world, that he can turn them, that he can change them into something new, a new creation. That that it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or, or how far you've gone, God can save you. 
That's regeneration. This is the work of God bringing dead sinners to life, of replacing hearts of stone with hearts of flesh. It's the work of God to cleanse and wash and make clean, make white as snow dirty sinners and to forgive us of all our sins, past, present, and future. And it's, it's his work to empower us to live in righteousness. This is God's work of regeneration, of rebirth, of making us into new creation. Yes, our message to the world is repentance. We need to call out sin. We need to call them from from their sinful lives and ask them to turn, plead with them to turn away from sin. But it's also to tell them that God's power, about God's power to cleanse them, to forgive them, to change them, to enable them to live a new life and to make them more like Christ. Not only is it not, and not only is it possible that he can and will do so. And listen, what's great about us here is that we are living testimonies of that, that work of regeneration. I always love this passage in Ephesians chapter two. If you have this, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me there real quick. Ephesians chapter two. I love it because it recalls to mind who we were before God did His work. It says, and you were dead, verse 1 to 6, it says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This is who we were. Like everybody else in this world, right? We're not any better. We're complete sinners following the passions of our flesh, like the, the, the rest of the world, no different. But here's where God comes in. Here's the work of God. It says in verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when he, we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly place, says in Christ. Jesus. That's God's work. And we're testimonies of that. Testimonies of how God has taken people who, who, who were in darkness and brought, him, brought us into his marvelous light. It's the work of God to bring to life dead sinners and give them new life. And listen, the world needs to hear about this. The world needs to hear about the work of God's work of regeneration, God's power to save. Oftentimes, if, you have, uh, if you've talked with, with unbelievers and they recognize that they are sinners and they recognize the fact that they have done bad things in their lives, oftentimes they'll think, well, you know, I, I've done too much, that they can't change. But this is our message that God is able to change them, that God by his power is able to work in them new life and to cause them to, to obey his commands, to walk in righteousness and holiness. This is the great hope of the gospel. You know, oftentimes, uh, whenever we talk about regeneration, especially in reform circles like our church, we always get the, the, the question of, well, well, why evangelize if God is going to save people anyways, Right? I can hear it now. Maybe people thinking about it. Well, first and foremost, it's a command from the Savior, right? It's the Great Commission. We are to go and make disciples in all the world. 
And to not do that is disobedience. So keep that in mind. But secondly, the means by which God saves and enacts His sovereign will is by getting His church, His people, to proclaim the gospel. To deliver the message of Jesus Christ to the lost. And thirdly, it is a privilege and honor to be the instrument in which God uses to share the gospel to the lost. If you do not see that, if you do not recognize, look at your own life. Think about the person who shared the gospel to you, who helped you in your conversion to Christ, who surrendered, who who helped you in your, your, your faith in Christ, who walked with you and discipled you in your faith with Christ. Where would you be without that instrument that God used in your life? It ought to be a, there ought to be a sense of honor and gratitude for being used by God as his instrument of peace to a world who, who needs to hear the gospel of peace. So why wouldn't you want to be that someone? Why wouldn't you want to be that instrument? Our message is regeneration. Our message is regeneration. That God can change people today. And we're testimonies of that. And by the way, and we're going to talk about this in the coming sermons. By the way, this is why it's so important to guard our testimony. To guard our witness. To be watchful of the way we walk and present ourselves to the world. Because at the end of the day, how will they know that God has the power to change lives today if our lives are just like the world's? If we behave just like the rest of the world, if there are no discerning factors between us and an unbeliever, how will they know that God can change lives today? This is why Paul says in in Philippians that only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And why he says in 1 Corinthians that he disciplines his body and, and keeps it under control for after preaching to others, he would not be disqualified. Keeps himself in check. Our message, our manner, just like our message, our manners matter also. So just, I guess, maybe by application, ask yourself, by the manner of life that you are living, would unbelievers say that there is something different about you? The way that you conduct yourselves, what you say and, and how you treat others, the things that you pursue in life, the things that you put your hands to do in this world, is it different from the world? If you think about Acts chapter 2 and the beginnings, the origins of the early church, the first church, we see that people outside the church, unbelievers, were looking in and seeing the difference in that community of believers. And it says in Acts chapter 2 that the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Because they were living differently. They were doing things differently than the rest of the world. And of course, it's not just the externals. We talked about this already. It's not just the externals about what you do or what you sing or how you speak and all that stuff, but it's also how you think, what you believe, how you go about making decisions, what you prioritize in this life, your worldview. Paul says in Romans, the part of regeneration is that our minds are transformed, that our minds are renewed He says in Romans 12, verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. By testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
would unbelievers say that, that there is some, something different about how you process things and how you, how, you, how you talk about things and where you put your hopes in and what you believe and what you prioritize in life and how you make decisions in life? Would they see something different? Would you exemplify a life that has truly been regenerated by God, truly been changed by God? All right, so I don't do this often, right? I used to do this, but just a way of recap and to test people, just to make sure that everyone's awake, all right? What is our message, the first one? Message of repentance. It's not on the screen. Good. You can take that one down. What's the second one? A message of regeneration. Lastly, what our message should contain? A message of reconciliation. A message of reconciliation. It says in verse 18 of our passage, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I love this passage. I love this verse. The word for reconcile in the, the original Greek is katalasso. And the word was commonly used in three occasions. Once, once in business, and, and once in marriage between a husband and a wife, and between adversaries, on three occasions. The first one, in regards to business, the business side, it refers reconciliation refers to a debt being reconciled. Maybe you've heard of this before. A debt being paid in full and causing an individual to no longer be in debt. Well, as we know, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. That wage for sin is the sin debt that we owed as a result of our sinful life. And the Bible talks about how, how, how Christ himself reconciled that debt on the cross, paid for that sin debt on the cross on our behalf. Secondly, in regards to marriage, reconciliation refers to the union between a groom and his bride being transitioning from singleness to married life. They were being reconciled together. Well, as we know in Ephesians chapter 5, we are called the bride of Christ. And Christ loved the church. He sacrificed himself, gave himself up for his bride so that someday he would sanctify her and cleanse her and, and, and someday present the church to himself in glory and splendor. That's in Ephesians chapter 5. We are the church, the bride of Christ, being made ready and prepared for the day of his return where we will be reconciled with our Savior, our heavenly bridegroom forever unto eternity. Finally, the imagery of reconciliation between adversaries, between enemies, being reconciled together, going from enemies to literally friends. It says in Romans chapter 5 that, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved for by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We were enemies of God, as we read earlier in Ephesians chapter 2, Every, similar to the rest of the world, now reconciled to be called his friends, and not just his friends, but his sons and daughters. That's what it means to be reconciled. 
Now, that's important to, to, to go through because that is our message to the world. That is our appeal to the world, as our, our passage says. It is to call sinners, to be reconciled to God, to come to let them know, hey, your sin has been paid for by the cross of Jesus Christ. Hey, you have a heavenly bridegroom that has already prepared a way so that you could be with him forever. And to say that you no longer have to be enemies of God, but can be called friends, friends of the king. That's the message we are to bring to the world as his ambassadors. A message proclaiming that God has done the work, that he paid the price, that he defeated, conquered death, sin, and the grave. God has made a way so that we could have right relationship with him. That's the message of reconciliation. And, and notice, by the way, the, the specific words that Paul uses in our passage, verse 20. Look at that with me again. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. He says then again, we implore you on your behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. What's interesting is that these two words, appeal and implore, they're two different words in the original Greek, but they mean about the same things. It means to beg, to beg. If that doesn't say, it doesn't, if that doesn't say wonders about God's heart towards the sinner, that God is begging through us, making an appeal through us, imploring through us sinners to be reconciled to him. Again, remember, knowing the fear of the Lord, knowing what the, the wrath of God is towards sinners and the hell to come to those who do not repent and do not put their faith in Jesus Christ. God, again, in our passage is saying, I'm begging you, I'm begging you through my people to repent, to be reconciled, to be changed. And listen, that's nothing new. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, God uses a very similar word. He says, come now, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, he says, come now, let us reason together. This is the holy God going to a sinful, uh, unfaithful Israel people, the people of Israel. And he says, who, the holy God who has all the right to judge and condemn the sinful people, he says to them, come now, let us reason together. He says, come, let us talk, let us communicate, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. This is, this is the heart of God. This is the heart of God towards the fallen world, to a sinful world. There's a sense of urgency. There's a sense of desire in it to call people to repentance, to call people to be reconciled to him, to tell people about how he has done the work, how our, our king, the king that we represent as ambassadors, have, has indeed conquered sin, has indeed conquered death in the grave, the enemy of mankind. As ambassadors, we are to bring that same urgency to the loss. We are to bring that same heartfelt desire of seeing people reconciled to a holy God, to a fallen world. Let me ask you, in the opportunities that, you, you, that God has granted you to share the gospel to your family members, to your friends, your unbelieving co-workers, to the person sitting on the opposite side of you on the commute to work, the person 
in your classroom, whatever it is, and the opportunities that God has given you to share the gospel, do you demonstrate the same sense of urgency? The same sense of desire and appeal that, that God is trying to communicate through in our passage here. That God wants to communicate through his people to a fallen world. Do you demonstrate that same sense of begging sinners to repent, imploring them to put their faith in the only Savior of humanity. And even as we close this morning, that's the invitation for us all. If you have not, if you have not put your faith and trust in the only provision that God has made for your sin for your salvation, we implore you, we plead with you to get right with God, to recognize that, listen, you cannot save yourself. That you not just do bad things, that you don't just commit sin, but you were born a sinner, and the only escape is through Christ. The only escape out of the wrath of God is through Christ. Christ who made a payment on your behalf on the cross, who conquered the grave to assure us that there is life, that there is eternity ahead of us for those who believe in him. We appeal to you, we implore you, be reconciled to God. We are the ambassadors of God with his message, carrying his message to the world, a message of repentance, of regeneration, and reconciliation. Let's pray. Oh, gracious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, first and foremost, we remember the joy of our salvation, of how you have taken sinful people, enemies of yours, and out of your grace, out of the abundance of your mercy, not based on anything good that we have done or ever will do, not based on anything that we can, any, any good intentions, Lord, Lord, out of your grace and mercy alone, out of your great love, you chose to save your people. You chose to save us. You chose to send your son to die on a cross, to suffer and die on our behalf, to shed his blood for the payment of our sins, for the forgiveness of our sins. And three days later, Lord God, you, you rose them from the grave in victory declare to us that just as he conquered the grave, that we too someday will rise again. That death is no longer an issue, that death is no longer a problem for those who are in you. So God, we, we, we glorify you and we praise you for what you have done in our lives and which we are testimonies of. But God, we also ask for forgiveness We also ask for mercy 
There are times where we misrepresent you, where we fail to be ambassadors of you to a fallen world, where our lifestyle, our, our manner of speech, the way we conduct ourselves is just like the world. And we don't show, Lord God, that yes, you have changed us, that yes, God, that you are mighty to save, that you are able to cause us to walk in holiness and righteousness, that you are our help, that you are our strength in times of weaknesses and in times where we, we are hopeless, that you are our joy despite whatever circumstances we face in this life. And Lord, I pray by your mercies that God, we would walk in the newness of life, that we would represent you well to those around us, to the unbelievers in our families, in our, in our friends, in our circle of friends, in, in, our, in our co-workers. And that God, we would be a light to them to show them, oh God, your great mercies, to show them, oh Lord, your grace and your power to save. Help us, oh Lord, to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only hope, the only good news in a world full of bad. So Lord, we, we surrender ourselves once again to you. Lord God, I lift up those who have not put their faith in you yet, that they would do so today, that they would truly be reconciled to you this day. Lord, your appeal would go forth from us, would go forth from instruments of peace and declare it to a fallen world. And then, Father, you would draw them to be reconciled to you. Draw the heart this day, Lord, that needs you. Would you be glorified amongst your people? In Jesus, your mighty name. Thanks for listening. We hope that you were blessed by the sermon today. If you would like to learn about the gospel or know more about our church, please visit pluslifepeople.com. Remember to subscribe for more content. Until next time, stay blessed.